0: Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. Well, it's Monday. It's time to kick off another edition of the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Sewer Ninjas. Aaron Rodgers finally got traded after the last time we talked. The Packers complete all of their picks in the NFL draft. The Bucks fall to the Miami Heat. The Brewers win three out of their last four. A lot to get to on this episode, plus some college talk. What's going on in Colorado with Deion Sanders and is he changing publicly? the face of college football to something we kind of already knew we'll get to that and more it's the 414 sports podcast presented by sewer ninjas let's go but instead it's the 414 sports podcast and it starts right now All right, welcome in for this week's edition of the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Sewer Ninjas. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you so much, as always, for logging in, joining us, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or any of the other platforms that we are residing on. It is the 1st of May. If you look out the window as we're putting this podcast together, you would not know it considering that there is snow in the forecast and yet we still love the state of Wisconsin. As we said in the opening, a lot to cover as always. Since the last time we talked, Aaron Rodgers found himself traded finally to the New York Jets. I was hoping that it would happen on draft night that we would see the Jets get that offensive tackle that they were really, um, I think, hoping for and then they would trade Aaron, and then we would take uh, JSN from Ohio State, the receiver, just to kind of throw a little wrench into things, but that didn't play out. But let's let's take the Aaron Rodgers thing first as the trade again goes down a day after we put last week's podcast together. The Packers got the Jets' first-round pick. We swapped from 15 to 13. We got a second-round pick at number 42 in the deal. We also picked up a sixth round, and then the big one for next year is a 2024 conditional second-round pick. Now, that's conditional on whether or not Aaron Rodgers can play 65% of the snaps. Not games, but snaps in this upcoming season. That, to me, had to be one of the... um, oh, I don't know, barriers in having this trade happen a little bit quicker. I think the Jets are definitely afraid with everything that they gave up as far as draft picks go that Aaron Rodgers may play next season and then call it quits, and that to me would be much like what the Rams did where they sold the farm to win and got their Super Bowl. If the Jets don't get their Super Bowl, they haven't yet – sold out in the fashion that the Rams did. And again, I'll harken back when the Rams were in the midst of, you know, getting rid of draft picks and, and making it for the now. And again, they got their Super Bowl, so congratulations to them. But the Rams are going to be a bit irrelevant for the next few years. They just are. And they're trying desperately now to trade all of those high-priced top names to get draft picks. And if you remember a couple years ago, all of the pundits, this is the new way to go about business. This is how the NFL works. You trade now. You bring in stars. You win now. And they did. But they're going to be, I think, irrelevant for quite some time over there in the NFC West. And I'll always go back to this. You do need a little bit of luck. Right? We'll get to the Bucks later. When the Bucks win their championship, it was all about Kevin Durant. And that size, I don't know, what is he wear, 18 or 19, where the toe was on the three-point line. It became a two-point shot instead of a three. They go to overtime. Fortunately, the Bucks had a little more depth that year. Kevin Durant was gassed by the time they went into overtime because he had the Nets on his back and trying to carry them into the championship. But the toe being on the line is what propelled then the Bucks into the championship round and then winning the NBA championship a few years back. If you remember again, the dropped interception that Matthew Stafford threw against the 49ers, if the 49ers make that pick, the Rams don't get that Super Bowl, so you need a little bit of luck involved. The Jets are going to need a little bit of luck moving forward, even with Aaron Rodgers. I think the expectations are now for the Jets, at least they're going to be relevant. They're going to be in the conversation, but the AFC is the toughest conference in the NFL the AFC is loaded from top to bottom now with quality quarterbacks so to think suddenly because the Jets got Aaron Rodgers on what I will say is the back end of his career much like when they grab Brett Favre they will give themselves an opportunity to win more games than they did last year with Zach Wilson but you have to question whether or not that suddenly makes them a Super Bowl contender and it is strange, I have to say, it is strange. Knowing this was coming, knowing the Jordan Love era is about to begin, to see now Aaron Rodgers walk in with a Jets hoodie on and do his press conference or to see him on the practice field throwing the football around in some of the clips that you'll find, it, it is a little bit bizarre. But as, as anything, we'll get over it. And in a couple of years, Aaron will be welcomed back to Green Bay and they'll pull down the banner, and his number will go into the ring of honor. I will say Aaron did did something, at least initially, that I give him a lot of props for, in that he'll wear number eight with the Jets, knowing that number 12 has been retired because of Joe Willie Namath. Um, class act, that there wasn't some sort of struggle, even though Namath is like, yeah, he can wear my number. Um, knowing what the history is there in New York, so I give Aaron a little bit of credit that way going back to what was his college number and he'll be sporting the number eight moving forward to next year and for me and i'll say it again i said it on the last podcast the biggest question moving forward for the future hall of famer is going to be the press in new york if you watch the press conference last week he didn't look comfortable He looked a little bit on edge. Like your rookie year, when you walk into a situation not knowing exactly what to expect, that's the way Aaron looked. And you would think a guy who's played umpteen years already in the league wouldn't necessarily give that type of persona, that that confidence would be there. But as I've said before, the New York media is just a different animal. It is a completely different animal, and everything is fine now. Everything is wonderful. The Jets got their quarterback. He can show up at a New York Islanders NHL playoff game and wave to the crowd and everybody's embracing. Let Aaron have one bad game. Let Aaron try and play words like he did in Green Bay with his vaccination and all of the other things. Let him play words like that in New York, and he's going to get skewered. He just is, and I think that is going to be One of the bigger stories moving forward as Aaron goes to the New York Jets is how he will deal with the New York media and what that will mean. So let's get to the draft. The Packers. It's okay. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. Like, what do you say about the Packer draft? But it was a typical Packer draft. You know, you have. You have the pundits, and it, it was great listening to some of um, the arguments going back and forth about the uh, the young man from Notre Dame, Mayor the tight end, and listening on day two because he doesn't get selected to the second round, and the argument being about, you know, we had him as a first-round grade, and he's the best athlete on the board, and then you hear somebody else say, yeah, but it doesn't fit this team's need, and that always becomes the great debate. You hear general managers We'll simply say we put everybody up on the board. We take the best player possible. You'll have other teams that will draft by need, like we have needs here, and so we're going to take the best player possible at that need and go in that direction. And if you're the Green Bay Packers, you seemingly draft for need, but you draft to develop as well. And I think that's just what we have to expect when it comes to the Green Bay Packers as Jackson Smith Najimwa was available, JSN was available from Ohio State at that 13th spot. Some didn't think it was worth a pick at 13, like he would be a little bit lower in the first round, but that would have been the splash pick, right? Especially with trading Aaron Rodgers, the fact that you would have then grabbed a top-wide receiver and brought that individual into the mix, up there at Lambeau Field would have been the headline among all headlines, but the Packers, as always, don't do it. They take Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa at that number 13 pick. It it makes me think that at 13, whether it was at 13 or at 15, now there are some that will say they thought the Patriots coveted Lucas Van Ness, and that was one of the reasons why if we're drafting – a kid out of spite almost or to block another team from getting this individual. I don't know necessarily if that's the way it operates. Now, if you do know that you coveted him and you think that the team in front of you is going to try and take him, then I get why you had the first round pick swap. You know, the speculation ran wild. Okay. We move up to 13. Are we trying to package now that 13th pick with a couple of second rounders to move up, to move back, Whatever the case may be, but the Packers held on, as we were saying, and Lucas Van Ness, now the D end out of Iowa, becomes a Green Bay Packer. If you saw the coverage, uh, Lucas Van Ness being mobbed by his family, you get uh, somebody—I think it was dad—pulling what I believe was his brother off of him, who looked like uh, he was a bit overserved in the midst of the draft party, and then you see dad uh, giving the uh, the the girlfriend of lucas a little pat on the backside after being drafted there were there were some social media moments uh, moving moving forward with that pick that i think will carry over into the beginning of training camp so hopefully lucas van ness who um I, I is known as hercules and i wish i had the cut i mean we could we could go back to the the eddie murphy uh the movie and and start seeing you know mom sitting at the table going hercules hercules that that i think is going to be played quite a bit once uh once he rolls into camp but we'll see we'll see what happens you know a lot of people right away well he didn't start well somebody brought up on on one of the networks a great point in that iowa is a very traditional program and iowa is very loyal and iowa had a couple of 50 year seniors that came back to play one more year within their program, and those 50-year seniors were the ones who started. But make no mistake, Lucas Van Ness played more snaps than either of them. So, yes, he wasn't a starter per se, but that, that has to do with the culture of the program, not necessarily is it a uh, a critique of the athlete because Lucas Van Ness played more snaps than those individuals. It had more to do with the fact that Iowa, being, being a traditional-type program, stayed loyal to um, – Stayed loyal to their kids. I'll say it that way. And that's why Lucas Van Es was not starting. We get a tight end in the second round and Luke Musgrave, which is going to be a need in the second round. We also pick up Jaden Reed, the wide receiver out of Michigan State. We go with another tight end, Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State we finally grab ourselves a defensive lineman in roll in roll in round 4 at pick 116 Colby Wooden the the pick that I was really surprised at for me was the acquisition of Sean Clifford the quarterback out of Penn State um, I, I guess okay because you're going to need a veteran backup to Jordan Love this year so we know there's going to be an acquisition in the free agent market of a veteran quarterback uh, moving forward. And so I don't know why Sean Clifford in the fifth round. I would have thought there's a, a couple of others that I would have taken there. But nonetheless, they draft a quarterback. And then we go down to round six. Anders Carlson, the kicker out of Auburn, now will be uh, the heir apparent to Mason Crosby. We haven't really taken a kicker. In the draft in quite some time, but Mason Crosby, uh, winding down his career. I don't even think Mason Crosby will be on the team next year. As long as, um, this young man that we just mentioned in Anders Carlson can do what the Packers are hoping he will do. It will mean the end of, uh, of quite the kicking dynasty there up at Lambeau field. So, the draft is the draft when it comes to Green Bay. Now, when we look at other teams, you have some head scratchers, one of them being the Detroit Lions and some of the moves Detroit made throughout their, um, their time on the board. I, Jameer Gibbs, I don't know if, if, if that is necessarily what you want to do with your first pick, but it was what the Lions wanted to do. Again, we can sit here and second-guess everything, because we just don't know. The picks that we think are an automatic shoe-in may not pan out. And the picks that we scratched our head about wondering what are you up to may do exactly what the team wants. And that will take some time to play out and see whether or not the moves that these teams made are the right ones. But that's no fun. we got, we got to sit and grade these things the way we grade them. The team that surprised me the most and that would be the Houston Texans. I thought the Houston Texans win the draft by taking first. We said the the key pick in all of this was going to be C.J. Stroud. Where did C.J. Stroud go? He goes number two, and nobody had him number two. There was not a draft board that had him going at number two that he had found his way off uh, off of many. And then before you know it, they go ahead and trade up to get the third pick and grab Will Anderson. I thought the Texans, as miserable as they've been over the last few years, have now really have found a way to to up their capital within that building and to do some things that will make them relevant in the next couple of years. And Let's go back to the Packers real quick. Brian Guttenkent's Won't say they're in the midst of a rebuild, but if you listen to Brian Gutekinds in the midst of his um, comments after the draft, talked about, well, this is what we're trying to do, right? We want these guys to grow with Jordan Love so that in two years, we will have everybody on the same page, so to speak. That's a very politically correct way of saying we are in the midst of a rebuild. Now, no team really will come out and say that because it will turn the fan base off. But when you hear your general manager talk about what's going to take place two years from now, that's code for the Packers are in the midst of a rebuild. So Packer fans, buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride here in year one under Jordan Love. It's not going to be... The same Aaron Rodgers just flinging the football around, though last year was a bit um, strange as far as as the play went. It's going to be a bumpy ride, so it's not going to be the 23 season to measure life on. It's going to be 24. So, you know, if the 23 season, if you if you can win six, seven, maybe eight games, we're going to be okay. It's if we only win two or three that I think we're really going to start to want to jump off ship. And then that leads to the fact that Wednesday this week, the Packers have to make a decision on whether or not they're going to pick up the fifth-year option on Jordan Love. Jordan Love is owed $20 million in that option. Jordan Love is going to get it. I mean, Brian Gudekins gave you the, well, it's it's a lot of money. We're not sure. Come on. You're not drafting All of these players who are somewhat projects to be relevant in two years and not keep the young man you've been grooming at quarterback. Now, I know probably from a negotiation standpoint, he can't just come out and say it, but you better suspect that by three o'clock on Wednesday, Jordan Love will have his fifth year option picked up, which means next year he'll make north of $20 million, which ain't bad for a young man who has been sitting on the sidelines waiting for his opportunity. And his opportunity seems to be arriving. Back to uh, the draft, one team that I think we have to mention that really, boy, oh boy, they they took the world by storm within the draft, and that was the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles, as a team that found themselves playing for an opportunity to win a Super Bowl last year, a, a team that really didn't necessarily have a ton of draft picks high on the board because of their one loss record. GM Howie Roseman just went and got himself Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle who has a little bit of baggage, and yet he was rated extremely high coming out of Georgia. And then the likes of Nolan Smith, they just absolutely killed it in the draft. So if they can put the pieces back together with what they had last year and add these new pieces, because I think a player like Jalen Carter will be in immense um, or have an immense impact almost immediately with that team. He's one of those players that, you w- that, as a Packer fan, you wish we would take once in a while where you know you can just plug and play. Like Jalen Carter is ready to go as of right now, and he'll do – a great job there in Philadelphia. And the other one, can can we pick a Wisconsin player just once in our lives um, to see that Keanu Benton uh, went to Pittsburgh? Um, we had a couple uh, why can't I think of the, the linebacker's name off the top of my head? But we had the linebacker out of Wisconsin also taken by Pittsburgh – The defense at Wisconsin has not been the issue over the last few years with regards to their one loss record or their performance. It has been under Paul Chris the kind of stagnant offensive mentality that he utilized. It has not been the defense that was captained by Jim Leonard and his schemes, and the fact that the Packers keep passing when we know they need defensive help on the likes of a Keanu Benton and the linebacker Herbig, then the name just kind of popped in there. Um, I boy, that's a head scratcher, but congratulations to those guys and heading over to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who again had a solid draft. And and you just as long as Kenny Pickett now in his second year can take that next step, that's a team to be reckoned with. All right. We've got to get to it. The Bucks fall to the Miami Heat. The one seed loses to an eight. Giannis. Made the headlines again. We'll get to it right after this. All right, let's get into our Milwaukee Bucks who fall to the Miami Heat, who have been eliminated from the NBA playoffs. A team That over the last five years, since Jason Kidd has been replaced as the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, has gone 271 and 130. There is not a team in the NBA that has a better regular season record in that five-year span than our own Milwaukee Bucks. Unfortunately, it has not translated into the postseason for whatever reason. It has not translated that they have definitely found their groove in the midst of the regular season, but once the postseason comes, it has not always translated. Now, we say that as a team that won the championship two years ago, and quite frankly, had they made another run this year, you would have considered the Bucks to be that new perennial powerhouse. Golden State. In Sacramento gave us a great first round matchup that concluded yesterday as uh, Golden State. You saw Curry go for 50 um, and get his team and willed them into the second round. They'll now take on the Lakers. But that's a team that's a bit on the backside of the bell curve with some of those players starting to age a little bit. They're taking one last run at a championship. And now the NBA is kind of open is ripe shall we say for a new powerhouse and you thought if the bucks could make that deep run this year and vie for a championship that now we would be considered that team and yet it just didn't happen for various reasons right we we've heard that and 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 i don't want to use this as an excuse because i i think i'll wait till next week because it doesn't seem appropriate after learning that coach Bud lost uh his brother uh i think it was before game four maybe game three, uh, in a car accident. And so there, there was a lot going on. I just feel like it's piling on right now, and I'm not going to do what I've seen on social media because as good as social media can be in updating scores and, and giving you headlines and such, it, it can also be that rabbit hole uh, of disparity by some where, where they just it, it goes to a level that I don't think it needs to go to. But I think there are some criticisms that can be made of Coach Bud. I just don't know if it's the right time. I, I, I just think in the midst of everything that's taken place, it's a bit tasteless. So we give it a little bit of rest, a little bit of room, and then we'll go ahead and analyze some things, and we'll probably dive into that a little bit next week. We also had the fact that Giannis got hurt in game one. And I think Giannis, who has been this version of uh, Superman for the Milwaukee Bucks for quite some time, we expected, uh, A, for him to return quicker maybe than what he did, uh, not understanding the depths of that contusion to his lower back. And I think we also, and I think the Bucks did too, expected after game two, the way the Bucs played in game two, that they would at least survive maybe and go 2-2 two and two after the first four games. Talked last week, and I, I'll give credit to Bart Winkler on this one, miss Bart, love Bart, that he was talking about how when a team goes into another venue in the midst of the playoffs for that first game, the energy level is just different, right? You get to go home. The fan base is there. The energy level is just different. And so game three, you lose. Okay. I think game four, the thought was, here we go. We're going to bounce back. Life is going to be good. We're off and running again. And we were there. We were there. How many times in the last two playoff games for the Bucks this season did you have a commanding fourth-quarter lead? A week ago today, you were leading by as many as 15 going into that fourth quarter. And what happened? What happened? And that's where the question marks will come in. And then you look back on Wednesday when they lost the series to Miami at the Fiserv Forum, leading in the fourth quarter again. And Jimmy Butler did something that we need somebody on the Bucks to do. Now, normally we have that person. Normally we have it in Giannis. Giannis, though, wasn't 100%, and you could tell that going down the stretch. You could tell he didn't want to be fouled because the free throws weren't there. In the midst of trying to work his way back into what I – I don't want to say playing shape because he obviously played well when he was on the floor – but he wasn't 100%. Nobody else was stepping up to be that alpha male. I watched the end of that uh, Bucks game in overtime in which it seemingly no one wanted to take that last shot, and it reminded me so much of the Badgers against North Texas in that NIT semifinal where the ball just kept getting passed around and bumped around and everything else. like Nobody wanted the Rock to take that last shot. When you have somebody on Miami, like Crowder, who's in, not Crowder, I'm sorry, Butler, as Jimmy Butler goes in there and says, give me the ball. I know uh, Eric Solstra is working up a play for, just give me the ball. I got this. And he and he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And if I said it was Crowder before, I got Crowder on the brain here because I want to get to him in just a second. It was Butler for Miami. Uh, we just didn't have that on Wednesday. And it, and it speaks to a little bit of where we're at with this team. We're, we're at a crossroads with this team. And again, some of some of the, the things that need to be pointed out as far as the coaching goes, I think, can wait a hot minute simply because you've got to let, A, the season digest a little, that much of the reaction comes off of the loss in which people are very emotional. And yet there are some things, again, that need to be examined because down the stretch, they looked lost. That team offensively looked as if they didn't know what they were doing. Like, what play are we running? Who's supposed to have the ball? It looked very confusing. And then you hear somebody like Jay Crowder afterwards going, I know they brought me here, but I don't know necessarily what my role is. So there's a lot of questions, again, that we'll examine next week. Now, the thing that got the most attention was after the game. When Giannis spoke to the media and Eric Name asked the question, which I I guess is fair. I don't know if I necessarily may have used that word that he used, which was failure. But I don't think the question was necessarily off the rails. Giannis being Giannis, though, did what he does best and answered it. And then as we work our way through his response, I've got a couple of uh, retorts from others that I think are interesting with regards to this whole idea of failure in sport. So let's start with this. This is Giannis answering Eric name's question. This is courtesy of ESPN's Twitter, their social media feed after the game. Uh, The exact same question, but uh, I'm curious for you, do you view this season as a failure?
1: Oh my God. Uh Okay, because I'm not that up. We, you asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay, uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? With, which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents work towards ago like, is not a failure it's steps to success you know and if you've never I don't, I don't want to I don't want to make it personal so there's always steps to it you know um Michael Jordan played 15 years won six championship the other nine years was a failure that's what you're telling me I'm answering your question yes or no okay exactly so why are you asking me that question it's a wrong question there's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful, some days you're not. Some days it's your turn, some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other other people's going to win. And this year, somebody else is going to win. Similar as that. We're going to come back next year, try to be better, try to build good habits, try to um, play better, not have a 10 days stretch with playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures? No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know? And we were able to win one. Hopefully, we can win another one. You know, I sorry, that I didn't want to make it personal because you asked me the same question last year. And uh, last year, I wasn't in the, in the uh, right um, mind space to answer the question back. But I remember it.
0: So that was Giannis after the game answering Eric Names' question regarding failure. And he's right. It's not a failure. It's a major disappointment. But I don't necessarily think it's a failure, especially now when you watch a team like Miami, who is red-hot momentum carrying them even into game one of the second round in which they just dismantled the New York Knicks. Now, who knows how this is going to play out? But right now – the Miami Heat are playing some incredible basketball. They got into the play-in tournament. They had momentum. They're playing with a level of intensity that the Bucks couldn't match. And right now, the New York Knicks, after one game, cannot match. I don't know what that means if you know, the Miami Heat will be the best of the East and find their way playing for an NBA championship this year. That remains to be seen. But you name the sport and tell me an incident where – Teams that were expected to win championships and didn't. The New England Patriots went undefeated a few years back and did not win the Super Bowl. I think it was the Bruins last night, if I'm correct, I hope I'm not wrong in saying this, within the NHL, that had the best record, lost their series, and now they are out. We've seen teams like the Seattle Mariners, who had an unbelievable regular season record, not win a World Series. It happens. The problem is it happened to us. And when I say us, fans of the Milwaukee Bucks. So your initial reaction is, is it a failure? Everybody's going to jump on social media and say, yes, stop making excuses. But the reality of sport is that it happens. And Giannis handled it like only Giannis can handle it, right? He backed away. He said, you know, Eric, I'm not going to make this personal, but here's how I'm going to answer this question. Now, as fans, we don't want to hear about – the fact that you'll come back next year and you'll rebuild and you'll do this and you'll do that because we're in the heat of the moment right now. And so was that team. There were a lot of members of that team that packed their bag and walked out and did not want to speak to the media, and yet Giannis, being the front man of that squad, was the one sitting at the table fielding questions after what was just a disheartening loss to the Miami Heat. And he gave an answer that in the time frame, in the immediacy of that loss, people didn't want to hear. But a week removed, you go, you're right. Especially when you look back at the history books and you go back to a New England Patriot team. That was undefeated. That was really knocking on the door of taking the Dolphins' undefeated season back in 72 and wiping it away and being the new... um, predominant NFL team to go undefeated to be the matriarch of the league and all of the things that come along with it and they don't get that Super Bowl ring they lose as well these things happen it's why we watch sports it's why fan is short for fanatic the only problem is now we have social media and the immediacy the reaction the hurt that fans are experiencing can spill over and be a little disheartening which is why again I want to wait a little bit of time to talk about where this team needs to go and whether or not it means under a new regime as far as the coaching staff goes. It's too early yet. There's too many things that have to be examined. You have to take a step back. You have to reexamine some things and then see whether or not in its current state, can you move forward or is it time to make some adjustments? Now, there was one reaction to what Giannis had to say, and that came from Steve Kerr, of the Golden State Warriors. Here's what Coach Kerr had to say a day or two after uh, the Giannis interview post game after game five at the surf forum. This interview is courtesy once again of Twitter, but this comes from the Golden State uh, Warriors fan page themselves
2: was your reaction to the discussion about failure and my reaction was just how lucky we are to have Giannis in the league and being one of the marquee stars in the league not only for his talent but his humanity and his perspective Uh, he's so right um you know it, it are there really 29 failures every year in the league and one team? It just can't be a zero-sum game. The other thing is, is, like, these guys, I watch our guys every day, and I know this goes on around the league, but these guys work so hard, and they put so much into it. And so when you hear terms like embarrassment or shame, like, why should anybody um, on Milwaukee be embarrassed or ashamed? Um that they lost a playoff series. Like, they shouldn't. Giannis is right. Nobody should be, as long as they put in the work and put in the effort, which you know they did. This is sports at the highest level. And Miami's a hell of a team. Jimmy Butler's one of the great... Uh, Eric Spolster, one of the great coaches in the league. You can, you know, say all that stuff, upset, and one versus eight and all that. These are the greatest players on earth. They're competing against each other, and somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. And I just think we're so lucky to have um, a guy like Giannis uh, leading our our league and talking some sense into people and offering perspective because it's uh, it's a really difficult um, job for these players, especially um, to be in the spotlight and being judged and criticized to the point that. Um, you know, that they are. I mean, I, I opened up ESPN this morning and I saw something like Bickerstaff's job safe, you know, says um, team official. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> like, this guy turned the franchise around. You think about where Cleveland was two years ago. Um, JB is one of the best coaches in the league. He's phenomenal, has done a phenomenal job. And so when you, when you, you know, you read stuff like that, it's just it's sort of mind-boggling, but but it is the world we live in, and it's we all know what we're signing up for, but it's great when you have representatives like Giannis to try to talk sense into everybody.
0: All right, so that was Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors talking about Giannis and what he had to say following the game at the Pfizer Forum, and I think I said it was the Golden State Warriors fan page. I meant to say their social media account. I don't know why I went fan page, but I want to give proper credit. That came from Twitter, and it was the Golden State Warriors social media account. Okay, got that put to rest. Now, here's this element of time that I want to get to, and this is why sometimes as fans, social media is great. We can react in the moment. We can ask questions. We can we can wonder why things are happening, but Here's what I'm getting at as far as stepping back and allowing things to kind of manifest its way through before we jump on whether or not we're making excuses. We're not making excuses, all of the things that come into play. I want to play a clip from Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant, right? And we always say that the one thing Kobe had was that Mamba mentality, and that's what made Kobe great. Like one of the things – that made Kobe great was not only his skills, his work ethic, but he had that mentality, right? He had the mentality of of a dog that you're just you're not gonna outwork me. I'm gonna be the first in the gym, last in the gym. I don't care how much talent I have. I am going to make sure you do not beat me at any aspect of the game. This again comes from Twitter. It was reposted by Jay Wills, and this is Uh, an interview done with Kobe. Now, Kobe, during the latter part of his playing career and post-playing career, um, did a lot of motivational stuff. I mean, I use a lot of that motivational stuff with the students in my class because it's about willing yourself and and what it takes to be successful and the elements, regardless if we're talking about basketball, the skill sets he's talking about are relevant in the business world as well. So here's what Kobe Bryant had to say, with regards to failure, again, this is courtesy of Jay Wills and his Twitter account. To me, it's the, the,
2: it doesn't exist. It's not existent, what the hell does that mean? Seriously, what does failure mean? It's not, it doesn't, it, it doesn't exist. It's a figment of your imagination. The point is, the story continues. The story continues, so if you fail on Monday, the only way it's a failure on Monday is if you decide to not progress from that, right? So that, so to me, that's why failure is not existent. Because you know, if I fail today, okay, I'm gonna learn something from that failure, and I'm gonna try again on Tuesday. I fail,
0: and I'm gonna try again on Wednesday. It doesn't exist. All right, so that's Kobe Bryant, the late great Kobe Bryant, talking about failure and saying essentially what Giannis was saying, that yes, it's disappointing, and yes, we had the best record in all of basketball going into this thing, and yes, we were the number one seed, but we lost. Now, as Kobe was just saying, it is failure if you don't learn from what took place this season. If you don't take into account what happened against the Miami Heat and figure out how to fix it, whether it comes from the head coach or the GM the players on the team, if those elements don't figure out a way to fix what took place in the first round, then it's a failure. But to call it a failure as of right now, no. It's a disappointment, and the Bucks will move on, and as a fan base, we'll move on, and we'll see what will take place as we make our way into the summer. We'll get into the NBA draft. We'll see what kind of transactions are made, and we'll get ourselves ready for another season so with that let's jump into after a quick break after we hear from our presenting sponsor uh, at sewer ninjas let's talk some Brewer baseball again we'll get into more of maybe talking about coach Bud and and the general manager spot and some of the other things and what our perspective is moving forward but let's digest it again for another week let's let's let the emotions die down a little bit and look at it from a statistical and logistic standpoint and not always from an emotional perspective all right sewer ninjas spot and then let's talk some brewer baseball sewer ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption they can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion saving you thousands when you need help Turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. All right, let's talk some Brewer baseball. Before we get there, the Brewers right now sitting in second place. We'll run through the NL Central standings here to kick off this week, uh, being May 1st with... The flurry's coming down. Oh, you got to love the state of Wisconsin. But I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates real quick because there was a great story this past week, and it goes to the life of a Major League Baseball player and especially somebody who's not willing to give up their dream. Drew Maggie um, has played 13 seasons in the minors. Over 1,100 games has this uh, athlete played minor league baseball. Finally gets called up uh, by the Pirates. For the first time at the age of 33, to play in uh, the big leagues, gets his opportunity uh, Wednesday against the Dodgers. Uh, then on Saturday against the Nationals, he gets his first hit. Um, it was cool to see the uh, the Pirate bench, you know, cheering him on as as he gets his first hit, and and then he goes right back to uh, the minor leagues. Now uh, it, it's just. Baseball is crazy like that, but somebody like Drew Maggie, who's who's not about to give up his dream, who has kept with it, who finally got his opportunity to play at the major league level and collect a hit against the Washington Nationals, congratulations to him. I just think that was, I thought that was a really cool story uh, making its way through last week. And the Pirates sit in first place. They're 20-9. and nine. We're a game and a half back, that being the Milwaukee Brewers at 18-10. and 10 the Cubs in third, Cincinnati in fourth. The most surprising of all of this to me is the fact that the St. Louis Cardinals are in last place. When do you remember the St. Louis Cardinals being in last place, being nine games below five hundred coming out of April? Now, again, this is a team that I will consistently say, you've got to stack wins now, because the Cardinals, kind of like the Miami Heat did to us, they find a way to garner some momentum at the latter half of the season. They make those runs, and they make life difficult in the NL Central. But at least as of right now, to see them sitting at 10-19, and 19, nine games below 500 in last place, going into the first week of May, for a Brewer fan and myself personally, a bit refreshing. The Brewers took it on the chin yesterday, and I say taking it on the chin because offensively they couldn't get anything done. Colin Ray, who made his fourth start, pitched very well, um, finally giving up a home run to to Shohei Otani. Hey, hey, Brewer fans, I don't know where you were Friday, but thank you for not showing up. There were only 24,000. Saturday and Sunday's crowd's much better, but it gave me an opportunity to walk around American Family Field and get some great vantage points of Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, watching those two who are probably the most premier Uh, athletes within Major League Baseball to be in town, to see them play, uh, was quite the treat. So the Brewers fall yesterday. They lose 3-0. The bats, as we said, went cold, but they won uh, a close one on Friday, took care of business on Saturday. They've won three out of their last four, and now they'll be heading to Colorado. The thing that I think will be the most concerning is what is the depth of this Milwaukee Brewer roster, because right now we're seeing injuries to this team like we haven't seen early on in years past. We're seeing um, guys being called up from Nashville, like Tyson Miller, to fill spots because of the fact that some of um, some of those that we thought we'd be counting on uh, throughout this season have been struck. By the injury bug, and some of them got off to some really good starts, while others not so much. But nonetheless, the depth of this team is going to be tested, and we're going to see how they react and what moves the Brewers make in order to maintain that depth as we move now into the month of May. But we get out of April, we get out eight games above 500 again, winners three of their last four as they head to Colorado. And it's hard to believe we're already one month into the Major League Baseball season, but to see the Brewers playing the way they are overall—yes, we've we've hit some we've hit some patches where they didn't play necessarily up to what we hope would be their normal capabilities. But in an 162-game season, those things happen. They've rebounded, and now we'll see as they head to Colorado what takes place as they move through this week before we close out this episode i want to talk about deon sanders and the university of colorado because i think deon is doing something that will now rear maybe i don't know if i if i could call it its ugly head but deon is just putting it out there and it's going to be more of the norm moving forward i think Than what college football has been in the past. And I think it's making some people uneasy, but Dion's doing it in a way that only Dion can do it. We'll talk about it here as we get ready to wrap up this week's episode right after this. things up for this week's edition of the 414 sports podcast presented by sewer ninjas our thanks to sewer ninjas as always for being our presenting sponsor as always you can go to SewerNinjas.com to get all of the information you need regarding their services with your home sewer lateral lines let's close it up as i said and talk a little bit about Deion sanders Interesting expose last week on Dion and what's taking place at the University of Colorado, where he is, as you know, now the head coach, and the number of players that he has let go, that he has essentially cut. He's essentially treating the University of Colorado, that position, like a pro football job, where guys are being called to the office, and he's telling them that they should enter the transfer portal Um, that he doesn't see what they bring to the table matching with what he's trying to do. And therefore, it might be time for them to go elsewhere and see if they can make a name for themselves. Now, the backlash from some, not everybody, but from some, is that, you know, it's college football. You shouldn't be treating the kids. I call them kids, and I've, I've said this a thousand times. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but... When you're my age, everybody younger than the age of 30 is a kid. So he's treating these kids like they're professional athletes. This is a byproduct, ladies and gentlemen, of the NIL. There, you're going to see more of this. Dion is just confident enough and, dare I say, brash enough to just let it be known. This is what we're doing. This is what I'm going to do here. I'm going to try and build a winner here at the University of Colorado, and this is the way I'm going to go about it. And you may like it, you may not. And it's the way college football is headed right now with, again, all of these NIL deals and the amount of money that's being put on the table, not only for the coaches, but for the players, for the universities, go through the whole scenario. It's become big business, and Dion is just, I I don't know if I want to say brave enough, brash enough, confident enough to just put it out there. This is how we're going to do it. There are other coaches doing it, I would say, in a similar fashion, but maybe not with, again, the bravado that Dion does it with. But this is the way college football is headed. You wanted NIL. You wanted to be able to allow players to make money off their name, image, and likeness. Some are making an exorbitant amount. Some aren't making but you know, maybe a $20 a week check from – the local restaurant, that, that they're having their image placed in the window, whatever the case may be. But the fact that now you put this on the table, this is the future of what college football is going to be. We already knew it was big business. Dion is just taking big business and putting it in front of us. And some people are going to immediately push back and say, this is not what I wanted from my college football um, viewership experience however you want to phrase it and there are some that are just going to say it's the wave of the future but it's always interesting that Dion is in the forefront putting it in our face so to speak and saying this is how we do it you can like it you can't like it but you put me in this position and this is where the game is right now and this is how I'm going to go about it so it'll be interesting to see how things get reported and how things get discussed in the weeks coming, and then especially once we get into the fall season to see how many times the University of Colorado, which has been non-existent in the national stage, will suddenly be one of those teams that will be put there because of the fact you've got Deion Sanders walking up and down the sidelines. That'll do it for us on this weekly edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. As always, thanks for joining us. I'm Don Wachillis. Have a good week.